we try and pretend we're a 50 or 100 million pound organization when we're looking at how we structure things how we do things how we develop people i think if you act big even if you're small it is by far the better way of, of being rather than acting small when you're small it can make you a little less agile but it's the right thing to do if you're building for the long term hi i'm belded mankus welcome to the purposeful strategist the podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. How can a purposeful strategy drive new growth in a 40-year-old business? Learn how new CEO David Hall does it at Total Care in this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. David, welcome to the Purposeful Strategist. Uh, maybe just as a way to sort of get things going, you could tell us a bit about yourself and about Total Care. It's been around since, gosh, really 1953 when a forging company in the West Midlands set up a material handling division in Hales Owen. That passed through various forms until just over 40 years ago, they developed their first column lift a big piece of lifting equipment we're the tesla of electric cars so if you say electric car someone thinks tesla if you're in a commercial vehicle workshop you say column lift they'll say total care so that's the level the brand is at within the core portfolio that we have what's a column lift in commercial vehicle workshops you have to get underneath vehicles to do lots of maintenance there's fundamentally two ways of doing that one dig a hole I have a pit underneath the vehicle, which is what most people probably envisage when they think of a commercial vehicle workshop. Well, the second way is to lift the vehicle up in the air. There's a few ways of lifting them, but a column lift is one of the most practical because it's a mobile solution. Uh, and it's basically a, a lifting device for four columns, usually four, sometimes six, sometimes eight, that goes underneath each axle. So you have one of each wheel and they're synchronized and they lift the vehicle together. Imagine four forklift trucks driving up to a vehicle, putting the forks underneath each wheel and lifting them up at the same time. That's a column lift. That's where the whole history of Total Care was formed was when Summers Material Handling developed their first column lift 41 years ago. That business changed hands several times and evolved until in 2004, Total Care was finally born into its current form. At such point, it was no longer part of a manufacturing business, but it became a trading organization, which bought and sold and branded. And that has evolved from that point up until where we are today. I joined the business in May 2018. It was my first MD role, and I was also brand new to the industry. So I have to thank the chairman and uh, one of your previous contributors, Mike Lord, for his trust that he placed in me. Um, I previously spent seven years working with Mike in one of his rapidly growing businesses that he referenced in his previous podcast. And I think like Mike, the things that we share and we have very much in common that we're very focused on getting the right solutions and services for customers and then packaging that up into something that exceeds their expectations and tries to put us ahead of the competition. And I think the skills that I had and I demonstrated with my time with Mike uh, were the main reason he thought that I was the right person for that role, as well as me being a sort of engineering biased, lifting focused person, which suited the situation. It was packaged up as something which was a steady eddy business. 
So it really hadn't changed much in in the time from 2004 to 2018. It was still doing the same things then. It did very back at the beginning, which was really selling column lifts and servicing column lifts and repairing column lifts. But they'd got very, very good at it. Mm-hmm. And just in terms of number of people, how big is the organization? Um, today, there's 66 full-time equivalents. It was about 44 when I joined the business back in 2018. Some significant growth, especially considering the last 18 months that we've had. And if you look at Total Care, what would you say the purpose of the organization is? And how did you go about developing it or clarifying that? Coming into the organization, which was already 14 years old, I was parachuted in. The purpose at the time was to deliver a value for the previous MD majority shareholder. He was on a plan to an exit and everything was built and constructed around delivering the number that he had in his head, which effectively the business did. So I spent the first six months really understanding what was there beyond delivering that shareholder value that the business was engineered to deliver. I spent lots of time looking at the people, the values that the business had, the culture in the business, and especially the perception of the brand in the marketplace. You know, Total Care had, and still continues to have, more than 60% market share of column lifts. And that's a a niche of a niche. Still, 60% of anything is pretty significant in any marketplace. And I wanted to understand how. How have they achieved that? You know, they're up against um, product manufacturers in the marketplace that have been established for a very long time. So how was this brand managing to to build to that point and then to sustain that market share over a prolonged period of time? And the thing that I found was really the core of the business is built around giving the best value for that customer in terms of the price per hour that they're using that lifting equipment. And it's actually, strangely, a sort of a very green approach that wasn't considered or developed in that way. So um, it's really about extending product life cycles, reusing equipment, repurposing equipment. I did a quick look at the history of the business. And the first model that I mentioned earlier that was uh, developed 40 years ago, there's still 30 of those products in use on our customer database that we still service on a regular basis which is quite incredible considering the youngest one of those is over 30 years old. Hmm. And would that length of time be unusual for a column lift? Uh, to me, they seem like the sort of thing that might last forever, but nothing does. So, In general, a piece of industrial lifting equipment, 10 years is a realistic expectation of a product life cycle. Really? But we're doing everything we can possibly do to extend that. One of the core things that Total Care was built on from the very beginning was doing midlife refurbishment. It's a service that we offer to all of our customers and we actually recommend in terms of extending their life and extending the value of the product. So we bring things back, do a complete rebuild, retest, recertify and send them back out again with warranty. Now, that for any sort of piece of industrial equipment gives it another 50% onto its life cycle at a reasonable cost. But also, you're keeping new equipment, new steel, new PCBs, new oil, lots of things that, you know, in general, we really want to try and avoid using those resources. And that's how the business was developed and built way before anybody thought that that was actually doing the right thing for the planet. It was doing the right thing for the customer. So we're even more focused on that than we ever have been. And, you know, the message is now turned around a little bit to the customer saying it's not just 
doing the right thing and extending the product life cycle it's doing the right thing for the environment and for your business so after i'd spent the first six months understanding the business it was then a chance to sort of redefine and pivot i would describe rather than reinvent the business so one of the other things i found was that customers because of the way that we looked after them and because of the trust they had in us they kept coming back so 90 percent of the business that we get from our customers is return you know people are coming back to us again and again and again so how do we leverage that how do we utilize that uh, the other thing that i found was that customers were actually asking to buy more things from us that we were turning down so it was a very obvious opportunity into expanding the portfolio but still retaining the core brand and the core elements that we have and you know the things customers see us as this expert in everything that we do so we had to make sure that as we expanded the portfolio that we made sure we retained that strength in everything that we did so the first thing for me in terms of purpose is fulfilling the wish of the shareholders of which i'm one i'm very lucky and very honored that i have a group of shareholders that are very open and very honest in what they want that we can have very frank and direct conversations with so it makes things a lot simpler and they all share one very significant thing in that they're looking for increased value over a long period of time there's nobody there within the shareholders has any sort of short-term get-rich-quick scheme and that changes their expectation and it changes how I can fulfill their expectations which gives me a bit more scope with the purpose of the organization the second part of purpose for me is is personal you know I'm a shareholder but I'm also leading the organization the shareholders give me a very very long piece of rope if i can describe it in that way so they allow me to run the business in the way i best see fit as long as i'm still delivering on their expectations so i have to look within myself and what purpose i have my needs and desires whilst fulfilling the requirements of the organization and one of the things that for me is creating a culture and an environment that i want to work in and I try and roll the clock back and think okay where was I 20 years ago what sort of an environment would I like to be in how would I like to be treated how would I like to be developed the second part for me then which sort of feeds into the first is what I found in the short time I've been in the leadership role within the organization is that the thing that gives me the biggest thrill is developing people the one thing that I didn't necessarily think I was best at i didn't think it was my biggest strength actually i find is and developing a great team giving them headroom seeing them grow uh, it's the most rewarding thing that i've ever found within a business and that's something that i've actually made really core to everything that i'm now looking at and the next part really is the growth bit i am a growth junkie (laughs) um (laughs) i think i've been told by lots of people that I have ants in my pants and I actually think I do have ants in my pants uh, and I love change which I think is a little bit weird compared to most people so I actually sort of put the growth together with the people and then the last two elements is really my other passions is service and doing things with a little bit of fun try not to laugh too much but we've just had some elections in the last couple of months for a minister of fun <laughs> so we asked everybody to to volunteer they put together their campaigns some were fairly elaborate we had an election and the minister won 
Uh, and all of those that actually put themselves up for election became part of the, his cabinet to assist him in delivering fun. And the whole sort of idea is really to give the power to the team of what's the best way of using the budget that we've got. So we're giving them a budget for 2022 and just saying, oh, there you go. Just make it inclusive. That's the only rule. Make it inclusive and have a lot of fun. So they're, they're coming up with a whole host of different ideas. But the first thing was our Christmas event. And again, it's the first chance we've had because we've grown to have our own event. And within that, there's a whole host of awards that we're going to be given out. The best engineer, the best team, the best manager, etc. But alongside that, there's a whole host of silly awards. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We try and have a culture where it's fairly lighthearted. We can have a laugh and a joke, and we know when it's time to be serious. But also, in and around that, most of the time, we just try and be happy and have a smile on our faces. Because, again, customers can hear that when you're on the telephone. So within all of that, what would you say your strategy is if you had to draw it all together? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the strategy, you know, after I had my first six months sort of induction into the business, we sat down with the management team and the shareholders and defined what the strategy would be. And we, we've stuck with that. And that's still got some significant distance to go at the moment. And there's really four main strands of the strategy. One was to grow the current products in terms of product sales and service, and also keep a close eye on margin improvement. The current product portfolio when I joined was just about lifting products. It was relatively small, but we had opportunities in terms of increasing market share on, on the non-column lift items. The second strategy was the obvious one, probably most difficult to achieve successfully. That was extending the product range. It's very easy to respond to customers' demands, but keeping that as total care and within the brand values was the tough one. You know, for us, we're not a manufacturer, so we have to go and find the right product from the right supplier with the same ethos of us as we have so that we can be that Mr. Reliable and the expert. Uh, and the second part is recruiting the right people. You know, getting that, that depth of knowledge takes years. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something that you can just do by reading a 50-page manual overnight, even with the best engineers in the world. So we spend a lot of time finding the right people with the right knowledge and the right experience. Yeah. An example of that was we moved into um, brake testing, which is a big thing for commercial vehicles. So we went and found probably the most experienced engineer in the UK. Um, he was 62 at the time. And he took a lot of convincing to come and join us. But he believed in what we were trying to do. He believed in the ethos of Turtle Care. And he wanted to leave a legacy. And he has. It's been really successful. And we are already number one in terms of mobile brake testing and we've only been that marketplace for around two and a half years it is working but we have a long way to go because every time we go into the new product area we have to bring in new experts and make sure that we don't ever dilute that brand value sounds to me that even in that example you gave there that some of the things that are in your purpose fun really being experts uh, looking out for your customers it sounds like that was part of how you were able to make the strategy happen. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things when we were doing our strategy session was looking at, so what are our core competencies as a business? What are we good at? And they fed into what we were going to do next. The six core competencies, branding was the first one. Technical serviceability was another. Customer service, lead generation and conversion, refurbishment of equipment. Uh, and the sixth pillar was the one that was missing, 
was new product introduction. <laughs> so we said, in order to be successful with the strategy, that's the new pillar that we needed to build. Yeah. Well, and it also sounds like, I mean, just take that example of the 62-year-old engineer that you brought in. It sounds like he probably wouldn't have joined you if some of those elements of your purpose hadn't been there. Absolutely. I eulogize really about our purpose on a, a regular basis, but probably without consciously doing it. Everybody knows the strategy and that's something I'm actually quite proud that, you know, throughout the whole organization, everybody knows the direction that we're traveling, why we're doing it, when we expect to do things. And I, I make sure that I see people personally on a regular basis. So, so the next part of the strategy, uh, the third element was um, providing expert inspection and training services. So one of the things that we realized, again, this is very niche and specialized, is that any pieces of lifting equipment needs to have a regular report of thorough examination, which is regular inspection to comply with the lower lifting regulations. Usually customers had their insurance company do that. But what we found was that very often the insurers are testing every type of lifting equipment you can possibly imagine. And to expect them to be able to spot when something is actually safe is actually a bit of a challenge. And there were times when those things were safe and they weren't, and times they said that they weren't and they were. So we decided it would be a very good thing for us to offer customers our own inspection service. So that was a third pillar of definite growth because fundamentally we need to make sure customers are safe you know you're lifting 35 ton vehicles above your head it's pretty important that that piece of equipment is correctly maintained alongside that we've also focused on trying to grow training as an offering to customers so we developed initially a face-to-face -face training solution but which we very quickly metamorphosized into a an online training solution really to make sure that everybody knows how to use the products. Again, it's a health and safety thing. It's really important to us. It's not required by legislation, but we're trying to drive to customers that they need to make sure that their people are correctly trained on using this equipment. You know, whenever we do something, we go face to face, we do the handover. But if Jim happens to be off that day, um, we're then relying on, on Bob, who we've trained, training Jim correctly. Um, but then if Tom joins the business the next day, He's missed that training. It's probably not going to happen for another 15 years unless the customer says, yes, I want some more training. So having a perpetual training license, which we've developed, is something that's, you know, we think really beneficial to the marketplace and is, is actually starting to gain some traction because it's a very low cost way of making sure people are safe. The last element of the vision, and that's to internationalize the model. So one of the other things I looked at after my first sort of six months within the organization says, there are, are there any other total cares anywhere in the world? Is there anybody like us? And the short answer is we haven't managed to find anybody anywhere that's a national company in our niche environment. So we see that as a great opportunity, but we're focusing on getting the UK right first, <laughs> get the business model in place, and then we'll think about taking that elsewhere. We've got enough to chew on <laughs> the size that we're at with the first three pillars of our strategy. So is your, is your basic reason for wanting to go international that it's a growth opportunity and you think if everybody seems to love you so much here that when you get to other markets, they'll love you there too. It's just nobody's tried to do it the way you want to do it. From the vision that we've seen so far internationally, nobody's really looking after their customers in the way that we do. It's that full extending product life cycle, doing the refurbishment, doing the maintenance 
and giving the customer the lowest cost per operating hour, which is possible, whilst at the same time offering the greenest solution. And if we can combine those two things, I think that's a pretty strong message to take anywhere in the world. And the expert piece is the final top cream on the cake. Most of the distributors in most countries selling commercial vehicle workshop equipment are selling that alongside a whole host of products. And there's no way they can be experts in everything that they're doing. And we pride ourselves on getting the right solution. So understanding the customer's fleet, understanding the usage patterns, understanding the workshop, understanding how they operate, and then giving them the right package to do that. And again, if you're selling a thousand products to three different markets, it's very, very tough to be expert. We want to grow within our niche, but then take that niche into other markets. Sure. Earlier on, you, I think, pointed to something you were proud of in the way you went about developing your strategy and sort of bringing that alive and tying that into your purpose. Just wonder if there's anything else you might want to point to there. Yeah, uh, really, it's just making sure that the whole organization is aligned with what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. The big part for that to me is just being transparent and, and effectively communicating. Again, I'm very privileged. I'm working in an organization currently of mid-60s in terms of employees. Um, I've worked in very small businesses, as small as eight, um, up to businesses of about a 1,000. So I've always really been in the SME environment. From my experience, I love being in the 50 to 200 employee window. <laughs> it means I can have a, a personal relationship with everybody. I'm completely terrible with names, but even at 200, I can just about do it <laughs> with a bit of practice. And knowing people is my style. So in terms of making sure I reinforce that, I basically pre-COVID and, and recently make sure I jump in my car four times a year drive around the whole country and see people in small groups. And the small groups thing is also key to me because it is like doing a little workshop. You get to sit down, have breakfast, talk to the guys about how they are, get to know them personally, and then got the opportunity to communicate the message of what's going on with the organization, to talk about the strategy, to talk about how we are and how we're actually getting along with the implementation, the issues that we have, and it's an opportunity for me to ask them for ideas on how to solve it. And everybody then feels consulted, which for me is really, really important. Uh, one of the things that we did when we were coming back out of COVID, I hate to keep referring back to that, was, was talk about, so how are we going to get back to the office? How do people want to work? And it was very much a consultative process and, and getting people's input into how they best thought the organization, as well as them individually, could perform. And so far, that's worked really, really well in terms of the new hybrid way of working, the flexibility, but also there is structure around that. And again, we've got a review date in about two months' time where we're going to go through the consultation process again. And I'm very much on trying to harbour the views of as many people as possible and then pulling that up into the big sponge and trying to work out what the best thing is. And has anything surprising come out of that? process that sort of consultation approach to figuring out what next around kind of where people are going to work and how they're going to work i think lots of people still wanted to work from home and felt that they were more effective at home were actually quite happy at home well even those that said that also thought that they should come into the office they should have some time with their team they should have some time with other teams 
and they sort of sacrificed their own needs for the needs of the organization to get that feedback from everybody within the business is really nice i'm really sort of reassuring that they're not just thinking about me they're thinking about us um any tips or suggestions for other leaders particularly maybe either other smes or people who've got really big businesses where you're thinking you know actually here's something they might want to think about as they wrestle with the question of their own organization's purpose and strategy the starting point for me is always why is any business in business and fundamentally you have to make money if you don't you're not going to be around for very long anyway but then it's looking at the shareholders and what the shareholders expectations are and making sure that you're going to deliver on that if you don't you're not going to be around for very long but once you've got a grasp of that it's then the leader's opportunity to see how they can fulfill that requirement and they need to put a little bit of their personality into the purpose along with the personality of the business itself one of the reasons that we continue to be successful is that I spent a lot of time trying to learn what Total Care's personality was and then try to add a little bit of me to that rather than just forcing it down my path. You know, and I've bended to the organization as much as the organization has bended to me. We found a very, very sweet spot in the middle. And so far, it's working pretty well. And what's the impact on you personally been? What, you know, what have you kind of learned along the way? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I'm still learning every single day and I'm still learning lots of new things. I've learned what I don't know. And I think I've got pretty good at recognizing things that I don't understand and making sure that I get the right people within the organization that do understand them and that I listen to them. You know, one of the big things that's changed in the organization in the last 12 months um, is the people that I have around me. So when I joined the business, and for the first two and a half years, it was just me and the sales director in terms of the, the directors on a, an exec perspective. He'd been with the business for 29 years since he was a teenager. And he was struggling with the change. So I was pretty lonely, being honest. And I realized that I needed to bring in other people around me to support me and to support the growth or we were going to stall and I was going to burn out, especially coming out of COVID. So bringing in a new external finance director and then promoting somebody internally a sales director and creating a slightly large senior team has really given me a new lease of life uh, and allowed me to have some more headspace to actually work on the business because for the last 18 months i feel like i've been just been working in the business mm. and that's held us back and it's held back the development of the strategy and the rate of growth. I feel now I have people around me with skills that complement my own, that I can really empower them and the rest of the organization to just go and do what they're good at and then try and let me do what I'm good at. And the strengths approach is something, you know, as an organization, we actually have had quite a lot of interest in it and, and run some strengths analysis on the management team twice now, just to see how things have evolved, how they've changed. And trying to make sure that, you know, whenever new projects and new things come up, that we give the right thing to the right people to get the best out of the people that we have. Hmm. You know, you've a number of times pointed to we're a small organization, but I will say for a small organization, you've got a lot of really interesting stuff happening. We try and pretend we're a 50 or 100 million pounds organization when we're looking at how we structure things, how we do things, how we develop people. I think if you act big, even if you're small, 
it is by far the better way of, of being rather than acting small when you're small. It can make you a little less agile, but it's the right thing to do if you're building for the long term. So we have new challenges coming up with changes to vehicles. They are going to be electric or hydrogen powered or something else that we don't know about yet in the very near future. That is going to have an impact on not only the equipment that we supply to service and maintain these vehicles, but perhaps even the service requirements of those vehicles and the service requirement we have to give the equipment. So it's quite an uncertain time and we really don't have a clear window of the extent of the change and the impact that it's going to have on the business. We are still being very considered in what we're doing, but at the same time trying to grow into the marketplace. It's a unsettling as well as exciting time. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you joining us and sharing as openly as you have. Definitely hear it in your voice, the excitement of growing this business, but also some of the real world challenges. So thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Belden. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to Belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.